This message is a presentation of Vortex Church in Albemarle, North Carolina. For more information about the ministry of Vortex Church, please visit us online at vortexchurch.com. Good morning. Thank you guys for being here. My name's Kevin. I'm the pastor here, and we're going to go ahead and dive in. We're right in the middle of a series that we've called Friends with Benefits, looking at really two statements. So really two statements out of the whole Bible uh, that we're, we're looking at through this series. John 15, 15, where Jesus says, I no longer call you servants, I call you friends. And that dynamic shift that Jesus has offered us that we could be friends of the living God. And then focusing in on a, a series of statements that David makes in Psalm 103 where he lists out the benefits that come from that friendship. If there's anybody in the whole entirety of the Bible that would understand the benefits of a relationship with Jesus, it would be David. David who had experienced the grace and mercy of God multiple times, had failed God and then be forgiven and be restored. He would understand that. And so we're, we're going to go ahead and look at that passage today just to get started, just to remind us. Psalm 103, beginning in verse 1. Praise the Lord, my soul. All my inmost being, praise His holy name. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all His benefits. And that's where we derive the, the title, benefits. He forgives all my sins and heals all my diseases. And that's where in week one of this series, if you weren't here, I'd I'd really encourage you to go back and listen to the message where we talked about the forgiveness of God, the benefit of God's forgiveness, and how deep that goes. That that goes obviously into the stuff that we've done, all right, our our transgressions, but God even moves past that and and forgives the inward uh, sinful motives that exist in our heart. God, God has brought that level of forgiveness into our life. He completely forgives us. Then continuing on, the Bible says, uh, he forgives all my sins and heals all my sins. He redeems me from death. And so last week, we looked at the benefit of God's redemption, that Jesus came into the earth to buy us back from slavery to sin, to set us free so that we could follow him completely. And then this verse, which is verse 3, um, and he crowns me with love and tender mercies. He crowns me with love and tender mercies. And that's where we're going to camp today, that God has Around you with love and tender mercy. The, the real question, I think, is, is really what, what, what is God talking about there? Because that's, that's language that for many of us doesn't make sense because the, the uh, illustration, the illusion that the Bible is making towards crowning is something that, that, I mean, realistically, we've defined that by an event that happened last Sunday night, right, Miss America. I don't, anybody watch that, right? It, the only time we tune into Miss America is when the girl from South Carolina can't can't get anything right and just, you know, fumbles for about two minutes. Those are the times that we pay attention to it. And, and, and really, I, I think that that pageantry and the image of, of the crown that is associated with the winning of that kind of contest has, has brought us to the point where we would associate being crowned with having won something. We, we've won. I don't know if you've ever tuned in and watched the, the absurdity that is Toddlers in Tears. Y'all ever watched that show? Watch, I mean, moms just go psycho crazy over their little girls 
put them up on stage and the girls just completely break down under all the pressure. I mean, that, that has framed for us what we think of when it comes to winning a crown, right? That, that's the, the terminology that we would do there. But, but I would tell you that as we uh, inspect this today, as we spend a good bit of time looking at what the Bible's saying, that you're going to see that that's not, a, not at all what the Bible is telling us. And that, that's not a bad reading because Jesus has won. Right? He has defeated sin and death. But what I would tell you today is that we're going to walk through three questions and I'm going to help you understand what the Bible is saying to us is the great benefit that God has given us through being crowned with his loving kindness and tender mercy. The first question that I would deal with, and I think it's important, is what is a, a crown? What's a, what's a crown? Well, it's a, the Bible says that God crowns us. Well, then what is a crown? And understand that, that it's King David who is writing this. In, in, in an era where... where government it was really established under kingships and the the crown of a king was this it was a symbol of authority it was a symbol of authority and authority is something that that in our our culture our perception of authority is just jacked up okay it, it is because as as Americans and specifically as Westerners in general, we, we have a really high value on independence. Nobody tells me what to do. Right? And you know what? All of you, the Bible would tell you, you're all slaves to something. You all have a master. And authority is 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 a major major issue. And the first thing that I would tell you about authority is that Jesus himself had authority. The longest sermon that's preached in the Bible happens at the beginning of the book of Matthew. It's Matthew 5, 6, and 7. We call it the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus touches every topic from money to relationships to uh, eternity and even practically worry and anxiety. Um, It's this great teaching. And the Bible records in Matthew 7 this. Matthew 7, beginning verse 28. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching because he taught as someone who had authority and not as their teachers of the law. There was this noted difference between the way that Jesus was opening the scriptures to them, the way that Jesus was presenting life, than what they had seen happen before. And so as Jesus is opening the scriptures and teaching them, the people sit back and go, He's not got any title, but he has a lot of authority. He, he doesn't, it, there, there's no um, building that he's going to walk into and be the president of that organization, but there's something different about Jesus. He has authority. That when he teaches, it's different. And the authority that Jesus had, he tells us something about it. And it's important for us to understand how authority works. Jesus says in Matthew 28, where he gives us the great, um, great commission, I mean, this great commandment to go into all the world. Jesus says this. When Jesus had finished saying these things, or, no, hold on. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father 
and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Jesus gives us an important lesson in authority right there. That authority is given, it is not earned. Authority is given, it's not earned. All authority under heaven and earth has been given to me. We, we see the same sentiment echoed in John 13. In John 13, Jesus said, I, or the Bible records of Jesus, Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power. Jesus had been given authority. And as leaders or bosses or husbands and wives, as parents, God has given us authority. You know, the way that we view authority in our culture is, is pretty messed up. Over the last 50 years, I, I would tell you that the, the authority that we have given, because we have the responsibility to allow the authorities that are in our lives to uh, enact that authority. And authority is, is deeply connected to responsibility and respect, very, very deeply. And because over the last 50 years, we've seen every position that we could ever imagine fail teachers, we've seen them fail. We've seen pastors fail. We've seen politicians fail. Our ability to look at a position and leverage immediate respect to it has dwindled. And I would tell you that we're missing out on the life that God wants to give us because the simple truth is, is that we all need a leader. Y'all have one anyway. We all need a leader. We all need the authority that God has put in our life to lead us and for us to get out of it what God intends to give us out of it. One very important passage in that comes out of Romans 13. It's the beginning of this chapter. The Bible records this as Paul is writing to the church in Rome. Everyone must submit to governing authorities, for all authority comes from God. Again, the same principle there, that God gives authority. And those in position of authority have been placed there by God. So anyone who rebels against authority is rebelling against what God has instituted, and they will be punished. And some of you, when you hear that, you say in the back of your mind, but you don't know how bad my boss is. <laughs> you have no idea what it's like to work at the place I'm working at. You have no idea how manipulative, conniving, difficult they are. Paul's writing to the church in Rome. A city that is the capital of the Roman Empire that would hold a coliseum where Christians would be crucified and burned. And he says, submit yourselves to the governing authorities. Because I'm going to guess that your boss isn't that bad. <laughs> All right? Because sometimes, as we submit to authority, we learn from what they do well. And sometimes we learn from what they don't do well. Because we learn the real cost of grace and mercy. We learn sometimes by God's grace, what not to do. 
but God has called us to honor authority. And God, as he says that he crowned you, he has given you authority. He's crowned you. He's taken authority and given it to you. The real question then has to be, if God has given us authority, if that's what it means to be crowned, then why are we crowned? What is God doing with the authority that he is giving us? And I would tell you that God gives us authority to reign in this life over sin and death. To reign in this life, this life right here, over sin and death. Many of you have caught a presentation of the gospel that tells you that Jesus loves you, he died for your sins, and he does not want you to go to hell. He wants you to go to heaven. And in that presentation, in the way that we have thought about the love of God and the redemption of God, we relegate the work of God to eternity after our death, that God saves us. He saves us from eternal damnation in hell. I would tell you that if you have any belief in God that keeps him from leveraging change in your life right now, uh, anything like that is not healthy and not accurate. You see, God wants you to reign in this life. Let's look at what the Bible says in Romans 5. In Romans 5, verse 21, the Bible says this. So just as sin ruled over all people and brought them to death, now God's wonderful grace rules instead, giving us right standing with God and resulting in eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Just as sin ruled, now the wonderful grace of God is in charge. Back up a few verses and we'll look. Verse 17. For if, because of one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man, how much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ? You see, sin and death caused sin to reign over us, but through the work of Jesus Christ, God has crowned you with authority. He has given you authority to reign in this life over sin and death. And the Bible tells us in that verse that that is through an abundance of grace. I don't know if you know this about yourself. My wife knows this about me, that I need an abundance of grace. And that's not just a theoretical idea. I'm not just kind of make it a blanket statement. I mean every day. Like I need an abundance of grace. I need it. Like I, I, I'm going to get this wrong. I'm not going to always be the perfect person. I'm not always going to say the right thing. I'm not always going to have the best attitude. I need an abundance of grace. And our God is a gracious and merciful God. He is gracious to us. He has given us an abundance of grace. 
Last week as we looked at the redemption that God has so generously given us, we looked at a verse out of Revelation 5, Revelation 5, 9, where the Bible records that Jesus came to buy us out of slavery. I think it's interesting that as we read the next verse, you're going to see that God wants us to reign in this life, not as slaves to sin, but to reign over sin and death. Look at what the Bible says in Revelation 5, beginning in verse 9. You were slain, speaking of Jesus, and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe, and you have made them kings and priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. They shall reign on the earth. See, the Bible describes you and I there in two different terms. You have made them kings, and you have made them priests. You have made them kings, and you have made them priests. What kind of authority does a king and a priest have? You see, a king is described all all throughout the Bible as someone who has authority over people. The king is the president of the government. He is the person that has absolute authority in that system. And so God is telling us that we have authority over other people. And then when he describes us as priest, what does a priest have authority over? A priest has authority over the work of God. God is using a priest. I would tell you this, that God has positioned you in life and he has given you the gift of your crown so that you can reign over sin and death, but not just for you, so that you can lead others to Jesus so that they can reign over sin and death as well. You reign so that you can help others reign. And the last question that I think is important for us to ask is, with what are we crowned? What does God crown us with? And which is a direct answer from verse 4, with loving kindness and tender mercies. With loving kindness and tender mercies. The word that's used in the original text to describe being crowned literally means to be surrounded by. to surround. The Bible tells us that God has surrounded us with loving kindness and tender mercies. And if you were David writing and penning that verse, as as you read through the writings of David, specifically in the Psalms, you you find that theme over and over again. Really, let's look at just two of those. In Psalm 40.11, the Bible says, David writing, Do not withhold your mercy from me, Lord. May your love and faithfulness always protect me. And as he opens Psalm 51, which is a a prayer of repentance after, as king, David committed adultery by stealing another man's wife and then having that man executed. Okay? David opens that prayer with this. Have mercy on me, O God, 
according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. You see, God has surrounded you with loving kindness and tender mercy because let's put that in context of John 15, 15, where Jesus says you're no longer servants, you're friends. See, I and you, we need the loving kindness and tender mercy of God. We need the abundance of grace that God has so generously given because if you don't know this, and it's a news flash to you, I'm sorry, you're a sinner. <laughs> and I'm sorry if that's news to you. That you're, you're going to fail God. And the relationship that God has offered to you is quite different than the relationship many of us have defined in our heads. Think about this with me. Jesus says, I no longer call you a servant, I call you a friend. Think about those relationships. The relationship between a master and a servant is sustained by the servant doing what he's supposed to do. But when the servant becomes the person who fails, what happens in the relationship? There's punishment. And if eventually the servant cannot execute, the servant is disposed of. Which is why just like many of you go to work, and if you don't get the job done, you, you won't get paid. But if over a period of time you can't get your job done, they're not even going to keep you around anymore. That's different for friends. See, a friendship is sustained not because there is any economic benefit but because someone has chosen to love someone. See, Jesus isn't looking at you as a servant saying, you got to get it right and I'll give you what you deserve. He's saying, you're not going to get it right. I love you and I've chosen to sustain a relationship with you by surrounding you with loving kindness and tender mercy. I have crowned you with authority in this life to live and to reign over sin and death. And I'm going to surround you with grace, abundant grace that is beyond anything that you could ever comprehend. So today for you, I want you to ask this question. What does this message mean for me? What's this mean for me? What does this message mean for me personally? As our musicians get ready to come up here, Maybe today, you're the person that's here. And your relationship with God in your mind is always hinged on what you do. And when you fail God, when you struggle, all you can think about is the punishment of God that you deserve. Maybe today, you might realize that God has offered you a friendship. And that relationship is not based on anything that you could earn, but something that he's already purchased for you. Maybe today. You look at your life and you feel like a slave to everything that is not good for you. Bad friends, 
addictions. Maybe today you would recognize that God has invited you into a friendship where he wants to crown you with authority to reign in this life over sin and death. That he died so that you wouldn't have to stay in slavery to that stuff. What does this mean for you? Let's pray. God, today, we thank you that you are so generous to us, that you have crowned us with loving kindness and tender mercy, that you have given us more than we could ever ask, dream, or imagine, that you, God, have been gracious to us. And God, today, as we encounter the truth that you love us and you want to change us, that you want to give us authority over sin and death for some of us, God, that's a new revelation. And today I pray that they would walk into that by your grace and mercy. So with nobody looking around, every eye closed, head bowed, nobody moving, let me ask you this question. Are you the person that's here today and you know that your life is just enslaved to the things that God doesn't want you to be captivated with? And that he wants to give you a life where you reign over sin and death. Maybe today for the first time you want to make a decision say, I'm going to follow Jesus. If that's you right now, I'm not going to ask you to do anything else. I just want you to raise your hand as a symbol between you and God. God, that's me. I'm tired of this. If that's you, raise your hand right now. I want to live for Jesus. I want to live for him. Is there anybody else? I see those hands. Anybody else that would say today, I'm tired of this life. I want to reign over sin and death through Jesus. So God, for those hands that have went up, we just ask you by your grace and mercy to come and bring the miracle of new life, to empower them to reign over sin and death in this life as they live for you. God, crown them with loving kindness and tender mercy. And by your grace, lead them. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.